A friend is a buddy that you love. We bring them on the show to teach us some stuff. And when the show comes to an end, if anyone asks, you must contend. Jason and Kelsey have friends. Jason and Kelsey have friends. All right, welcome to Jason and Kelsey have friends. I'm Jason. And I'm Kelsey. And we are two Bay Area Asians learning from our friends. Very soft intro this time. It was very, it was a little bit, there's, there's a point where it was softer, which I enjoyed. Oh, interesting. A little bit of delicacy. That's yeah. nice. Yes. W- were you going for like hard? No, work? I was not doing that. Maybe <laughs> I was just out of breath. Maybe perhaps. <laughs> this is why you should practice, but you nailed it. I thought you did a good job. I felt pretty good about it. That's good. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just excited for our guest. That's true. And I, I really wanted to perform it for him. Quick side note, again, visual medium, but uh, you got a haircut. I wanted to say I that. I did. It's very nice. Thank you. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Motley, so, Motley yeah, crew so, so, so my hair was, was, I was growing it up because of the pandemic. Right. And, and thank God the pandemic's over, which is why you got the haircut. Exactly, exactly. I thought that it would be over by now. Nice. Um, and then I, I started getting a lot of feedback from people. Not not necessarily about the hair, but I had four separate people ask me if I was feeling tired, and in in different ways, some more blunt than others. Okay, and some of them were children, and <laughs> the and, most honest breed. Exactly. <laughs> One of my students was like, "Did you get to sleep last wow. night?" Wow. And I was like, and she's like, "Are you feeling okay? <laughs> Are you serious?" Yeah, yeah. So so I did some extreme makeover. Assessment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't I been sleeping normally. So I think part of it was just like the, the longer hair, the whole like unkemptness of like, my whole being made people feel like I just didn't have it together. So I, it was it, it was time. It was pretty kempt, I thought. Uh, there would be moments. Oh, There'd be moments, yeah. Especially like if I'm not paying attention and it's like after I've been running around, yeah. stuff gets a little all over, you know? Do you ever try like because I can't grow my hair out that long? Like it was basically pretty much to your shoulders? It was close to my shoulders. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, would, I would just... I was pretty happy with it, actually. Because okay. yeah. I didn't know... For, for some folks, when, when you grow your hair out, that's when you realize that, oh, it's just super straight and yeah. just goes down. For me, like I had some like volume curlage happening oh. like near the bottom. And I thought that was really nice. It was like a young Ben Franklin. Is, uh, nice. Is how I describe it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've been telling a lot of people this young Ben Franklin look is what you're going for? That is what I'm going for, yeah. As, oh, as a proud uh, Quaker. I as, would... Uh, yeah. Ken changed you. It really, I really did. feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. You bring up Benjamin Franklin way too much in regular day conversations. He's quite an important figure in my yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> I find that interesting. Okay. Well, that's good. Besides yeah. your your love of Ben Franklin, I did I did learn something that is not Ben Franklin at all. Yeah. What did you learn? Yeah. Um. Do you know who the beloved McDonald's mascot is? Growing up, who's the mascot? Well, the yeah, it was Ronald McDonald. Right. Yeah. The clown. I found out recently that they phased out mm, Ronald mm-hmm. McDonald as the mascot yeah, yeah yeah and i don't know what the the impetus was but he's just not around anymore yeah i i was i, I actually saw this piece of news as it well shocking but it was because me. like a few years ago the clowns were very scary a few years ago clowns were really <laughs> little scary <laughs> no there was a moment yeah i, I right. forgot i forgot what it was but there were people were doing a lot of like clown scare sort of youtube videos or something and people were showing up as clowns in public places that just it was just like disturbing for children that, so oh. they decided that it was time to retire the clown and now i think the new they McDonald's. don't really need a mascot do they have a new one i think the new one is an iphone now what no it's not an iphone i'm just kidding 
Because if you want to keep up with the trends, it should be something tech-related, right? God, no? that's... <laughs> you really thought it was an iPhone? You think Apple's going to give away that IP for that? No, of course not. Why? I think as a good friend, I like to give you the benefit of the doubt. But, <laughs> Jason, but you, but you take that grace and you just throw it in the ground. Jason's, yeah. like, Jason's like, wait, guest, there might be something here. <laughs> Nothing? Okay, let's move okay. on. Yes, please. Well, that, that's that's shocking because that is a thing that was very much a part of our childhood. They have physical sculptures and statues at yeah, McDonald's. yeah, yeah, where he's like on the bench. So you could take a photo with him. Yeah, I bet so you. I guess they removed all those. I, they they have to, but I assume there's one in like Toledo. It's that's like just still they're removing all the conservative uh, monuments. I mean, they're taking down our clowns. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't yeah. know. I have very mixed emotions. Even though I am very happy that that clown is gone, it was terrifying. But anyway, that's what I learned this week. A little bit sad, but a little bit not. Yeah, that was cool. my week. How yeah. about you? What did you learn this week, Jason? I learned a little something about you, Kelsey, actually. Ooh, so I like where this is going. I, <laughs> I'm very scared, but I like where this is going. I was at a, uh, a little get-together Lovely. Um, last night, and one of the friends at the get-together mm-hmm. shared a little story about Ooh. you. When I, when I mentioned that, you know, we were doing this podcast together, he's like, Great. oh, I remember Kelsey. Great. When we were uh, in second grade, my dad was giving Kelsey a ride home from soccer practice. And the expectation was that because his dad had never been to your house before that you would, you know, give him some landmarks or like, you know, uh-huh. point out some things on the way okay. home, right? So this friend remembers you saying, hey, um, Mr. Murray, do you see the mailman right there? Yeah. And he, re- he replies, yes, I do, Kelsey. Yeah. And to which you said, oh, cool. I just wanted to make sure you saw him. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, if I were, first of all, I, so do not, I don't remember saying this I feel at like, all. I feel like that says a lot about who you are. And I thought wow. that was such a lovely, like, little anecdote wow, that, that really is, that captured nice. your entire, like, spirit. Yeah. I think, so I, I will verify that we did play soccer together. Yeah. Don't really remember that statement as an eight year old, but. Because to you, it was just a throwaway statement. Right. But to him and his dad, it, it cut was straight shocking. to their core. Yeah. It yeah, shook yeah, yeah. their world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a world shaker, Jason. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> you're, this is. You're a born troll. Eight <laughs> years young. Crushing. I would have killed me if I was eight. If I was eight and I was on Reddit. Oh, I, I just wanted I just want to make sure you yeah, saw it. That's right. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, a little insight into you. Big big fan of mailmans. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Interesting. Very good at giving directions. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, so speaking of like I guess um seven year old rabble rousers, um, I like to Welcome to the podcast. A seven-year-old rebel rouser? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, great TM. Great TM. Are, uh, one of these days, we will have children as guests. Please welcome to the podcast. He is the founder and CEO of Ecosi, the world's premier data analysis platform, a computer scientist from the California Institute of Technology, also known as Caltech, the former head of optimization of Adaply, the former vice president of of our high school math club and current president of long hair don't care it's anthony chong yay, yay! I, both. <laughs> I do want to say some quick feedback about our intros w- one listener has recommended that we superimpose more clapping on the background so it's yeah. wait what yeah, like yeah. artificial clapping so for the audience no, back so home, you like you like digitally clapping, oh, clapping right so it's like there's an audience like <gasps> yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. okay for you actual listeners, nobody clapped, and all of the clapping you hear is completely added post. <laughs> we can cut that. We can cut that in. I think we cut that in. But Man. Hey, th- so, thank you both for for the introduction. Yeah. Thank That's you. Very kind, and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. So oh, I'm glad wow. to be very nice for you to say. First I, fan of the podcast. First fan <laughs> of the podcast. Period. Not even the first fan of the podcast on the podcast, but the first fan of the podcast. Exactly. Period. Just wait till my mom starts listening. Also, triple. We are trying to get. You know what? I can imagine that your mom, that demographic, that wouldn't be the worst demographic to get for the podcast. I think. Feel like you. We learn a lot. We laugh a lot. That's who. That's that's the target audience. I think is our mothers. Correct. Uh, I have a quick question before we jump in. You are the VP of the math club. I don't really recall this very well, okay. so if you're going to ask me a lot of uh, what happened as vice president of the math club, I, I think this might be the end of this interview, but I, I, I think I was. Um, there goes about really 10 remember. minutes of what I was no, about you, to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely uh, were, yes. but like, I think like the responsibilities of the math club were quite small. Sparse, it, yeah, 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 yeah. I think we just got together and then planned Pi Day. That was like the the marquee event. Maybe, We'd I sell slices of pie in the quad. Organize some yeah. competitions I might or have, something like that. I might yeah. have answered my own question right now, but were you the president of the math club? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. I was the secretary treasurer. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't the president. I wasn't, I wasn't that lame. <laughs> I was the secretary of treasury. I don't know if Anthony remembers, but we ran as a package deal. Oh. I have a vague memory of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we banded together. It was it was quite rude of us to I just thought, like barnstorm the entire math club. I, why do I find <laughs> that you're responsible for a lot of budgets in high school? Is that true? Well, no? I was ASB treasurer my junior year, so yeah. yeah so wow, okay. I had to I I did some money counting, I guess. Okay, I can't help but notice that you know perhaps the coffers a little bit lighter nowadays and. Can't help it. That's like brand new drum set in your corner, but that's fine. Whatever. Cool. I put it all in Bitcoin, so we're, hey, we're nice. We're, oh, great! Yeah. Hey, awesome. Yeah, we're funded for the next thirty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, Anthony, thanks for joining us on the podcast, and uh, I know you uh, you've been traveling a bit. Which is I have nice. been traveling a little bit recently. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be back, and, and nice to see y'all. Is it really that different right now? I mean, I mean, I'm sure you have to wear the mask all the time, but. And certainly different. I I was in Europe uh, for a few weeks and. You know, there aren't a whole ton of Americans in Europe right now. I think lower than normal, uh, for oh. sure. And and Europeans can't come to America very easily right now. So I think there's a lot less cross-border uh, kind of travel. But As the um, way it should be, right? <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> Hard-hitting journalism. You know, I, I right remember here. earlier in this conversation, hey. you were saying how Kelsey probably was a professional troll at seven That's years right. old. You don't have to catch yeah. up. Yeah. Right? Oh, wow. You know what? You know what? I'm Even savvy to, enough to understand part, that. The best part is Jason goes, as it should be, right? Yeah. <laughs> like the most leading question I've ever yeah. heard. We all hate them, correct? <laughs> I just needed a, like a sound, a hint of affirmation, and we got him. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Anthony, you have uh, graciously decided to grace the podcast, um, and you obviously graduated from Caltech. I did. And uh, was that your last association with Caltech after graduation, or <laughs> what have you done with Caltech since then? No, sadly, they have not been able to shake me uh, wow. very easily, so um, I think uh, I've, I've decided that my association with my alma mater is going to be a lifelong association. That's no. nice. I, I, I'm actually very, very happy to have, have gone through Caltech. I feel like experience gave me a lot and yeah i think if i can give back i'd, I'd like to um so I, I try to stay a pretty active volunteer and and definitely you know, go back to the institute and, and try to help out if i can 
that's really I, I have written down here that you are on the board of directors for the Caltech Alumni Association. Is that correct? I am, yeah. I, I'm on the board of the Caltech Alumni Association. Uh, I have been for, for a few years now. And I, I also go back and, and try to uh, participate and, and help out with the computer science program, the, um, what we call the HSS program, Humanities and Social Sciences, you know, kind of area as well. And, you know, generally try to be, you know, as, as helpful as I can, uh, I think, because I, I think that community really, really helped me a ton when I was an undergrad. And I, I thought it was so amazing to have alumni who were, were coming back and, and helping out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What made your experience at Caltech like unique more so than I guess? I guess it's hard to say unique given that you've only gone through one right. undergrad experience. You know, but <laughs> what resonated with you to make you want to give back? Yeah, I, I think that there's a little bit of, of mental comparison. Sometimes I do do right, and and you know, I obviously have great friends like you guys who have gone to different schools, and uh, you know, obviously I can't pretend that I've lived your lives in right. other universities, but. I think that I've heard a little bit of, of the experiences that I can draw contrasts to. Uh, I mean, I also have older brothers who went to pretty good schools uh, as well. And, and I, yeah, we inevitably compare notes. But I think one of the most obvious things when you start out, and I think something that a lot of folks don't know about Caltech is that it's super small. It's, it's 240 undergrads about you know, every year. Holy uh, smokes, so I did not know that. What's yeah, the acceptance rate? Because Caltech is also an amazing college. Like It's probably very well sought out. I, I think it is a, a great university. I, I think the acceptance rate, I know I don't know the, the exact statistics yeah. you know, year to year. Um, it, it's pretty easy to, I think, look that up. But, oh, I thought um, you were going to say it's pretty easy to get in. I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd venture to say it's not easy to get in. It's probably gotten also, harder to get in. I would agree with that statement. Uh, yeah, over the years. But it's a super small university, right? Mm. And, and I think that's really unique. You, know, you don't have a lot of world-class institutions that also are so small. And I think on top of that too, you know, there's other things that really make it feel like a really tight-knit community. So one thing that a lot of people point to is the really high faculty-to-student ratio. You know, there's oh, yeah. about uh, three students to every faculty member. Holy smokes. Three which students? Is, yeah. Which, the which daycare is, I send Quinn to isn't that good. <laughs> uh, and, and that's, that's three students? incredibly Shoot, unusual, right? And especially yeah. for a first-class research institution. You can imagine that, well, that, that gives you a lot of opportunities to do research with you know, world-class professors sure. who, are, who are leading in their fields. So I think those things definitely play a huge element to it. Um, you know, the, there's the entire graduate school experience that um, you know, I, I can get into as well, but obviously I didn't go through that you know, mm. firsthand. Because um, you nailed it on the first go. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, nailed exactly. Caltech. Yeah, grad <laughs> Don't need to go back. <laughs> crushed it. That's what grad school is Done and done. Uh, <laughs> we yeah, got to try that, again. That's the reason. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, the, the, the other thing as uh, in part of the undergraduate experience, one thing I loved uh, as well was uh, we have these kind of Harry Potter style houses. Ooh. You, you, uh, we rotate into the house uh-huh. uh, our freshman years and oh, stay in the same house all four years, much like you would in you know Harry Potter. Or, oh. It's actually modeled after the British you know college system, oh. and so if you go to you know, Oxford or Cambridge, you have the you know, Jesus College or Trinity College kind of systems, oh. and you stay in that same college for all four years. Were you uh, in Slytherin? Or, uh, well, I'll leave it up to the. That, that'll be an exercise uh, for you to figure out uh, which one I rotated into. That's such a Slytherin I, answer. <laughs> That's such a Slytherin uh, answer. Uh, Jason's just like laying traps for you, man. I know. So you're Slytherin, right? <laughs> right. Uh, it's it's uh, when he gives me that weird I know, blank can, stare as oh, well. I can, I can see like, the excitement in his eyes uh, to be like, "Oh my god, this that glimmer is knowing so like, good." There's a hook in there. Be all careful. These, this is a trap. All of our Harry Potter fans are gonna love this. 
house. <laughs> um, so two forty, and how many houses are there? There's uh, eight houses. Wow! Oh, wow! That's uh, like what thirty people yeah. per house. Yeah, so oh. uh, you know about thirty, you know, per class. Per class, per and then house. you, you get Sorry, to know yeah, per house, yes. you get to know all the upperclassmen really well. So, so some of my like lifelong friends weren't even in the same year as me, right? This the they were seniors when I was a freshman, right. or they were freshmen when I was a senior, and wow. and there's just really awesome people that you live with over the years, you know, and and that's that's just a really cool feeling, uh, yeah. also. Yeah. Um, that. Uh, yeah. Um, I just wanted to make sure to highlight this before we go too far into the conversation. Anthony earlier said that his brothers attended, quote, pretty good schools. I just wanted to leave that there. Um, Hamilton and Sanders. <laughs> You're saying it as if I'm like disparaging my, my brothers. I, I would like to know because I feel like I might slot in the pretty good school. I, I, I don't mean to be, be I, I didn't mean it in a way in which I'm trying to be diminutive may, my brothers. May, no, I, may, my may, brothers, I, yeah. may I dig him out of a hole? I think he meant pretty comma good schools. Like, Attractive. <laughs> that Kelsey, people, I, I don't think you're digging me out of anything right help. now. Yeah, Co- the uh, comma pretty, does not help. It, but it's like a laundry list. Like pretty. Not only are they pretty, good schools. Yeah. My my brothers went to Stanford and Harvard, and uh, so. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. No, no, no. Actually, you know what? I, I take that back. You're right. Pretty good schools. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they only have like a couple Nobel Prize winners, right? E- each they th- yeah, his like, brothers actually each have a couple they, Nobel oh, prizes. Each of them, yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, cool. I'm 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 glad yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm really glad that I took the time <laughs> to highlight that. I'm not going to talk for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I actually I did I did hear that too, but I was just going to gloss right over it. But I like how Jason stopped the bus, backed it up. Yeah, ran it over. Ten again. minutes later, I'm like, we're Excellent. gonna, we are gonna touch on that. Excellent. But, but I, th- I guess, like, beyond talking about your experiences at Caltech specifically, the reason that we brought you on is because out of all of my friends, you're the person who's still so involved with like your your undergrad school alma mater. Your alma mater. I didn't want to say it. I don't know why, but it sounds douchey coming out of my mouth. Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, that's just the. I'm so confused. That's the that's what it means. How does that mean? That's not even a douchey or not douche. That's just what it means. I don't know. I just I don't feel comfortable saying those words. It's like it's like other words I don't like saying are like like French words. I don't really like saying like fiance. You know, like I never say croissant. So, I always so, say give me that crescent. So question: when, when you and Dora were engaged, would you just call her your ex girlfriend? Is that what you would call her? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I'm going to take that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Cool. Let's do it. Run it back. We're going to run it back. No, no, no. I was just going to, I was going to like widen the conversation a little bit, right? Because Anthony is here to tell us not just about his own past. He's here to tell us about the future. I think I I know what you're talking about. I I think beyond just, you know, it's not just, you know, the, Caltech itself. I, I think I'm very interested in kind of universities more broadly, also. I, and I think it did start in my experiences as an undergrad. So, I know, track back a little bit. I, I didn't, I didn't think going into college that oh my gosh, this is my grand plan for what I want to do after or something, and that I would you know, stay involved. I, I had no interest or thought towards that sort of kind of stuff. But I, I think I was very fortunate in being exposed to some of the thinking about how people do run universities, you know, when I was an undergrad. So when when I was a junior, I ran for student body president. We call it Ask It. 
I was ASCAP president when I was an undergrad. And, you know, through yeah. that, you, you learn a lot about how universities are run. You, I, I had the good fortune of talking to a pretty amazing president of the school at the time, John Louis Chameau, or Dr. Uh, John Louis Chameau. Ooh. Uh, Whoa. Sounds super French. Uh, you say it now. I cannot say that. He, yeah. is, he is French. In case, well, can you say uh, that last name one more time? Chameau. Chameau. Uh, yes. Jason, you want to take a crack at that one? Shimon. That's no, uh, is that Michael Jackson? He and his uh, his <laughs> wife now live in Paris, actually. So wow. Uh, they're, they're, um, but you know, what's what, the point though? I, I think that you know, there's there is something pretty different about universities that really orient themselves towards research, and and I don't think that every college or every university experience should be necessarily that, but I think there's a pretty unique place for universities that really do focus on that sort of thing because uh-huh. i think it has a tremendous benefit not just to the students who go through there or the faculty who go through the staff or anything but also you know the country more broadly you know the society more broadly uh, mm-hmm. the world more broadly and i think that's super super interesting and it's you know in terms of his like human history american history whatever that's a pretty recent development that we have such amazing research institutions, you know, the, the way that we see them even today. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the proliferance of, of really first-rate research institutions in the United States has, has done some pretty remarkable stuff um, over the, the last yeah. you know, century, especially. It's interesting because I think even the UC systems call themselves a research institution, right. but I don't think the opportunities, like you mentioned, are as available because, again, just I think by sheer size or just by competing interests or competing missions that's not necessarily i would say ucla's prime focus um i was actually going to ask is there a statistic about the number of people who graduate and just continue on research i should probably preface all of this first than saying like i i'm not you know, representing Caltech here and the, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the, the uh, whatever you know views and stuff are, are purely my own. Yes, uh, but you know, <laughs> if you look back at the statistics of this, I I, I haven't kept track of it very closely mm-hmm. in the years since we graduated. But when we were graduating, this is around 2010. Um, I think the statistic was that half of all undergrads go straight to a PhD program. Wow! Holy smokes! That's, That's I was thinking really high. Something yeah, yeah. crazy like yeah, it's, that. It's, which it's is... incredibly high. And 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 I think to something that was really interesting about what you were talking about, right? You were talking about the UC system, yep. and and definitely, I think Caltech probably can easily claim that a higher proportion go into academia. But that's not to say, and I don't want to, you know, really kind of shift focus away from that. This is just only Caltech is, is prepping this kind of research mission. That you know, the University of California system has done so much in terms yeah. of contributing basic science research and and so much basic yeah. research to. You know our country, our you know yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. and and I, I think that but the, what's really interesting. What do you mean by basic? So I, I think they're <laughs> just kidding. You don't yeah, have the, to answer that. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it may be helpful. So again, I, I know there's a lot of different sorts sorts of research that people do. Um, you know, where, where I guess I'm framing this conversation is more in in science research, science and math, STEM yeah, kind of fields, yeah, yeah. and and in STEM fields. Uh, oftentimes, there's kind of three types of research people talk about: mm-hmm. you know, basic science. And translational and applied, and and you know there's this kind of science portfolio people often talk about, and basic science is really talking about, you know, pretty much looking at the fundamentals stuff where you don't really know what the applications of this mm. you know would be. So when when someone discovers some new property of physics, you know, yeah. kind of thing, that's like really basic science. Yeah, I don't know how you might ever apply that. I see. But like you know, found, you don't know I mean like basic like foundational more so than like. 
elementary. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so you're talking about stuff like, you know, if, if you're discovering, oh, magnetism works this way. Right, Before you ever know how you might ever apply right. that, you know, that's kind of basic science. I see. And it's clear that that then gets translated into something mm-hmm. that, hey, that, that might have some help in, in making an electric motor or right. something like that. And then applied science is really taken, hey, something that's, that's already pretty applicable and just putting this you know, into practice, putting this into you know, building a thing, and uh, that sort of research. And you need a portfolio of, of all right. those things. And um, I think you, you look around in, in the world, and, and the, there aren't a whole lot of places that are really advancing that basic science you know, kind yeah. of mission. Because I think for, in, in a lot of industry, you see tons of companies that are doing research, right. but that oh, tends but they're not to be that. more translational right, right, or right, more yeah. applied. I, and and you, I think, still need to really defend and promote, you know, the need for basic science somewhere in that almost national portfolio that you might imagine. Right. I like the way that you structured that because you really can't have one of the three things without the other two. Yeah, actually, you know, this is a really interesting historical anecdote. If you'll, you know, bear with me for a second. I love history. I know, I know you do. <laughs> and Jason uh, loves hearing about history. So, <laughs> at least the one of the this is a bit of a stylized fact, um, but. Back in World War II, there was this guy, Vannevar Bush, who was pretty prominent in American society. He was, I think he was the provost of MIT or something prior to World War II. Pretty good school. And yeah, it, was, it is a pretty good school. Pretty yeah. <laughs> so Vannevar Bush was tasked by the Roosevelt administration to try to coordinate the war effort with the scientific you know, research of, of the country. Uh, because if you look back at World War I, uh, that was not happening. You know, you didn't have the scientific community really coming together to help out with the war effort. I see. And and you look at, you know, where America was when Pearl Harbor happened. And you know, undoubtedly, the country was at a technological disadvantage versus, you know, Germany and Japan. Mm. And, you know, towards the end of the war, Vannevar Bush was then asked by Harry Truman to look at the science portfolio of the country. And, and how could we make sure that that never happens again, that we never go into a war again with that technological disadvantage right. because you know a lot of american lives were lost because we didn't have that advantage and so he did a survey of american life and one of the things that he really talked a lot about was exactly the sort of classification you know, the idea of, of where you need a science portfolio for the country uh-huh. you need basic science you need translational science you need applied oh. and that there's different things that should be uniquely focused on doing each of these research missions that you might imagine. So for basic science in particular, he said two things. And he wrote this really big report called Science, the, I think, Boundless Frontier or Endless Frontier, something like that. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, so this came out in, I think, 1947 or right around that time. And he posited two things that one was a little less controversial and one more controversial. The less controversial thing he said was that in American society, it is uniquely the role of the university to conduct basic science research. Hmm. That, that no one is better equipped to do it than universities. Uh, right. The more controversial thing he said was that it is uniquely the role of the federal government to fund basic science research. Hmm. And from that was born the NSF, the National Science Foundation. Uh, a lot of, I think, the NIH and all these other alphabet agencies that uh, do a ton of funding right. for sciences came out of 
essentially the aftermath of this report. Yeah, it's crazy because I do know that in certain fields, the NIH is probably the biggest funding agency for By far, yeah. these research institutions. You know, there aren't honestly a lot of places in the world that really are focused on basic science. And, and you see historically, you know, ever since the 40s and 50s, uh, as a proportion of the national budget, basic science research has been going down every almost single year, like clockwork. Wow. And, mm. you know, as if this is a national priority, you know, that's something that pays humongous dividends you know, down in the future. You know, people talk all the time about how the space race helped out in so many ancillary ways, you know, helping spur the development of the semiconductor industry, helping, you know, with tons of inventions like the laser, yeah. like CDs, so, like all sorts of radio communication advances, right? right? And, and it's not because, oh my gosh, people started the space race because they wanted to invent all these other things, right. but, you know, that advanced some level of basic science that then anybody could use. Yep. Uh, and I think that's really important. And, and America has this humongous advantage in that right now that I don't know that we always remember how big an advantage and how big a uh, opportunity we have to just keep bringing that forward. Do we, do we, even with the diminishing amount, do we still fund more basic research than other countries or... You know, I, I think my, my knowledge on the exact statistics of this are a little hazy right now because a lot has changed over the last kind of few years since I've kind of looked at this in depth. <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, one of our high school classmates would know this very well. If, if you read um, Varun Sivaram's book, he, he talks a lot about this sort of oh, really? level of, of stuff. Yeah, I mean, Varun is incredibly intelligent on on a lot of these topics. And, and he, he wrote a pretty amazing book uh, in October about specifically what the country should be doing in terms of energy policy and talking a lot about basic science research and the level of funding around that and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but to, to answer your question without necessarily answering a question. Um, Perfect. The, that's, that's all I need. You, you don't even get an answer. Yeah. And he's yeah. telling you don't get that's an answer. That's all I need. I just need to be pandered to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was a few years ago on um, kind of like trade mission for the state of California in China. And one thing that we were doing is hearing these presentations from other university leaders. And I, I was sitting next to this woman who was an administrator in Cambridge University. And, and I was telling her the same story that I just told you guys about Vannevar Bush and the, the need for basic science research and all that sort of thing. And then literally five minutes later, we heard this presentation from the university leaders uh, from some of these Chinese universities. And they were giving a presentation on what Vannevar Bush did to basic science in the United States over the 20th century. Oh, wow. And they were talking, you know, to this entire history that a lot of us who were on that delegation had never heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really clear that they are funding the hell out of a lot of these, these initiatives, right. right? And that they're, they're open about saying, hey, we are not where America is, both in terms of funding and some of the results in, in some of that. And they want to catch up yeah. really, really quickly. And and why are we decreasing our funding in this sort well, of stuff? You know, I, I think over the last few decades as a whole, we've, we've been decreasing it probably partially for the same reasons we've cut a lot of things in, in federal funding. It's uh, like complacency? Know, a little bit of complacency. I think a little bit of forgetting why we did this to begin with uh-huh. um, and forgetting also the benefits. And heck, it's probably not sold very well to the American people. Um, you know, there's other priorities, obviously, that yeah, yeah. people care about. It, I, I just find that interesting because this funding is clearly very important to all the research institutes and universities, right? So from my perspective, research universities are pretty 
big deal organizations, they're in the mix, right, with all these conversations. So it's like, if this is such an important aspect of their existence, then how is the government not doing doing anything about it, right? Yeah, well, like you know, I, I mentioned earlier or, when I was talking about you know the Vannevar Bush uh, example that that second thing he said that it's uniquely the role of the federal government to fund it. That yeah. was controversial, uh-huh. right? And I think it remains somewhat controversial to people. You know, does it have to be federal tax dollars that are spurring research? Are there other ways to get that sort of funding? Yeah. If you look at, say, like the top 10, 20 universities by a university endowment, mm-hmm. those trend pretty well with the ones that are really focused on basic science research. Mm-hmm. You know, should they be funding some of this out of private philanthropy? Or other things, and you've seen over the years, private philanthropy has taken a larger and larger role of supporting some of that research. Now, I have is that to... the intent of like the university leadership, or because if the federal government's going to give you more money, like you take it, right? It's not like private money is different money than I, I'd venture to right. guess that it's uh, this has happened because they have not gotten the the same level of funding that you might want from the federal government. And so they, they want to supplement this with other things and want to get into other sources. I think that also comes with some side effects, you know, right? Like, you know, if you think about why does someone donate money yeah, that, to research? So right? I was going to bring this up because I remember a couple of years ago, there was a little bit of controversy around UC Berkeley because they accepted, I think, a private donation and a lot of supporters of, you know, keeping the UC's uh, unbiased mm-hmm. institution were saying, if we're going to take this, you know, multi-million dollar grant from this private institution, are we now not just, you know, basically buoying this company's objectives, which might not be at the broader good of being an independent public university? And it, look, there's no good answer because I think to your point, if I'm going to get $100 million from like, you know, a tech company or from like a biotech company, I'm probably going to want to take it. But then you can see how your interests might yeah, be yeah. clouded. So shouldn't university leadership be like clamoring and like creating a lot of fuss about this federal funding? Because they obviously don't like all the controversy that's around like the money that they're taking, oh, right? Yeah, certainly. I think that university leaders are doing, you know, they're trying, you know, oh, I mean, I they're, they're definitely trying, you know, but as you might imagine, once you get into almost a lobbying exercise, it's hard. It's hard to get attention. Uh, I think also... So they don't have as much clout as maybe I'm imagining. Yeah, I I think that it's, you know, university leaders definitely do have some clout, but Mm -hmm. it's it's not like they are, you know, the word of God and and everyone listens to them, you know, in a split second. Have you met somebody who went to Harvard? (laughs) (laughs) I have, actually. Oh, okay, cool. To all of our Harvard listeners, he's joking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's a lot of passion that I hear from your voice, Anthony. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you are still very closely tied to your university as a member of the board on the Alumni Association. Um, what, what would you say were your roles and responsibilities on that front, which kind of has indirectly exposed you to, I guess, some of these interesting issues from a university level? I think that uh, the, the Alumni Association stuff, uh, I mean, is really kind of more looking at, uh, particular to the Caltech Alumni Association, how can we create an organization that's really benefiting you know, alumni you know, our putative constituents, you know, right. Right. Um, and I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't overly try to link these two uh, as kind of direct, you know, one, you know, 
plays into the other. I think it's yeah. more of a general interest uh, kind of thing that mm-hmm. I've, through exposure in this, learned a little bit more about and, and had some cool conversations with people who, who are thinking about uh, some of these kind of questions and what that means. Um, I, I think that uh, you know, the alumni associations you know, around the world are, are all also kind of on that theme of you know, where do we stand in society and what, what are we doing? I think if you look at any alumni association in the country right now, I think all of them feel, feel like they're under assault from two directions, really. And I, I mean this a little bit provocatively. That, that, but I mean, a little I, bit I think of swagger that, in that voice. Yeah, I, I, okay, I oversold it. Right away. I, mean, I am all in, baby. Yeah. But if you think about any alumni association, like 50 years ago, the entire purpose was basically like, hey, you know, my college roommate was Kelsey. I can't find his number. Can you put us yeah. in touch? And oh, what time does the reunion start? Right. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Facebook, LinkedIn, all these social platforms do that a hell of a lot better than an, a college mm-hmm. alumni association ever will now. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. so that function is gone. And then there's another side of it where like just in the operations of a university, a lot of alumni associations have slowly been subsumed by that fundraising effort. Yeah, yeah. Of it, right? That's what I assume that that's, that's my only major, interaction yes. with the school yeah. is. And yeah, I get a lot of calls at eight p.m. on a weeknight. Yeah, uh, and and so I, I think and so many donate? people have those types. Sorry, no, I was just <laughs> I was like Kelsey. Do you donate? Of course, all the time. Okay, cool. Yeah, but how about I, you? You know me. Okay. So Anthony, so, you, Anthony, you were saying. So I was saying, to save you from that. Sides, <laughs> that was a sidestep, but okay. I I think if you look at any alumni association, if they're thinking critically about these headwinds, that they're all going, oh my gosh, what is our purpose now? Mm. You know, is it just to help out with fundraising? Is it to do something that's really different? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's also giving alumni really unique experiences and exposure to questions that they think are really fascinating you know maybe it's things like university policy yeah, maybe yeah. it's public policy kind of stuff you know I, I remember talking to the um head of stanford's alumni association and this was uh, not too long after a lot of the arab spring uh, movement was starting in, in egypt mm-hmm. and he was talking about how a lot of the world you know academic leaders at least and a lot of what is going on are at stanford and he was you know making sure that a lot of alumni could hear from them on, hey, how do, should I understand what's going on in this pretty complex world? Which is, is kind of cool, right? You know, that, yeah. that you know, what used to be kind of locked away in the ivory tower is something that, at the very minimum, as an alumni of, of the institute, that I can still feel like I'm learning a lot more, even after the four years that I'm there or the five years of grad school or whatever, that I'm still getting something out of that association that enriches my understanding. And so uh, I think there's things like that that people are, are really thinking about. And, and I'm really excited by the ones which really, uh, again, to this common theme, find a way to really make an impact in, in broader society as well. Because I, I think that's, that's a really cool thing if we can do that well. Has anything resonated for some of the alumni? Because, I mean, I, I know conceptually I totally agree with you. Like, I think it's awesome to obviously provide specific uh, alumni, let's call it, only available opportunities. I would say that I probably get a good number of emails about, you know, hey, this professor is going to talk about this. But I guess what have you seen as one of some of the more popular um, alumni-based initiatives? Initiatives yeah. that thank you. Initiatives that basically help drive 
alumni re-engagement because I think that's probably my biggest challenge as an alumni is being re-engaged with the university given that it's been probably more than a decade since I graduated right. and as much as I love my college experience I love UCLA sometimes it's hard because things like life and you know yeah, work absolutely. they all kind of challenge you in terms of your time so what's what's worked for for a lot of people it's even distance right it's like you're not even like near your college anymore like what's the point well i'd say that there's there's some experiences that don't necessarily come from universities themselves and their undergraduate relations that i think are are kind of demonstrative of something kind of cool so um another example we've kind of seen the beginning of like uh moocs or extended education kind of kind of stuff right sorry moocs uh, massively online courses, like essentially. Coursera. Right? Oh, Coursera okay. kind of oh, stuff. Oh, I see. Right? Yeah. Like Khan Where, Academy or something. Like you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that sort of flavor where where it's it's really clear from, from macro trends that people want to have an extended educational experience of some sort, right? So people take more classes. Right. People might go to grad school. People will want to go seek out some sort of professional development often. Mm. And, you know, you might imagine that, Hey, a forward-thinking alumni association might look at that as an opportunity to go. Hey, I can offer some of that, right? I can I can right. offer something you know, that that increases that lifetime value of being an alumni, that extends and, and can happen. Right. Not even when I have this person as an undergrad. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting framework too. Because whenever I read an article about that, it did seem like there was always the question: Is traditional academia under fire? Because yeah. This is now widespread, widely available. But actually talking to you, Anthony, it makes it seem like actually traditional academia seems pretty well entrenched because I don't know if a Caltech experience can be replicated with a Coursera experience. Now, I, I know that, again, when I was talking about... <laughs> sorry, Coursera, I know. We would love you as a sponsor. But I guess my point is there are different principles for different universities, which, Absolutely. which is very clear. And I think Caltech's principles are not as easily replicated by following a massively online available a massively yeah. available online course oh, well if you'll allow me a brief digression i'll come back to your your point but i think you. i love digressions let's I thought, go yeah I, I thought you brought up something super interesting you know right because i mean you're talking about how it's clear that there's a lot of different options that people have right now and it's yeah. not super clear that every college experience is really adding a ton of value beyond and an ed, purely educational kind of standpoint what is the value that the university adds or college adds, especially in mid COVID? You know, where, where you know over this last where you're few not, years, you can't even yeah. go. Like, right, you can't compare? even go. You can't meet new people the same way right. and whatever. And you're paying a huge honk in tuition for something that feels a little bit like something I could get online. Right, right. right. And and I yeah. think that you know I, I've been talking to some some college administrators who have who have been looking at this as like, this is an existential question right, for a, a lot challenge. of people. Yeah. That if, if you look at most colleges and universities in the United States, there's a lot of them. I think we forget how many there are, right? right? And uh, some folks have been estimating that, that a good quarter of them might go out of business over the next two years. Wow. That they might get merged with uh, other, univer other colleges, mm. or they might just simply you know, financially not yeah, cease mm. to operate. And I think it's largely because, because they rely on tuition. They rely heavily on yeah. exactly. Right. They rely super heavily on tuition, and it's really hard to justify that. Yeah. yeah. So, so coming back to to your, uh, I think other point though. Yeah, I, I think that some of these really rich universities or universities with a lot of endowments or or you know have really strong research missions to justify some of the other value. That's not going to be completely replaced by right. know, a MOOC, right? Yeah, you know, that that's right. That clearly, it's it's something else, but. 
I've actually heard interviews from, you know, the, the leaders at Cloudera, uh, not Cloudera, um, Coursera, and, um, you know, some of these other MOOC companies yeah. saying exactly like, I don't, they don't think that they're going to replace a lot of universities and especially the research universities. Yeah. But I, I got to give credit that they are thinking very actively of how they play into adding a lot of value into, into those and uh, into that ecosystem. And yeah. I am really fascinated to, to see how that evolves. And, and I think universities can play a bigger part in, yeah. in some of that too. Do you think in some ways that like the 25% of schools either merging or going out of business, I guess, is that a benefit to, it's probably a benefit to everyone else, right? Because it sounds like colleges have to, like, there's a lot of change that's coming and a lot of things that they have to put in place. And a lot of that requires them like kind of dismantling the tower and kind of just giving stuff away and just like spreading themselves out and opening themselves up, right? Because it's like, what is the value of an alum versus like a person who didn't attend your institution, but is, you know, consuming your content and is very passionate and, and has done a lot with it. Why do we even have these like siloed like yeah. experiences? So maybe there, there is a benefit to there being like less institutions around so that they can like afford to kind of open it up more. I think there's definitely on, on one side, there's something definitely to be said of almost that competitive of of the market of hey if if you are at risk you know sometimes that breeds innovation i think Mm -hmm. sometimes it breeds a different style thinking that can in the end benefit things i don't want to gloss over that you know there's there's definitely a bit of a human tragedy element of like if if you graduated and are been part of this community and that university might go kaput not exist but that that sucks you know that that's that can be pretty terrible uh, but I, I think there's also something even even predating COVID and all these kind of headwinds that there's sometimes criticism of of colleges for being a little bit elitist, you know, right? That there's a lot of folks and like, why do I need to spend so much money to yeah. get this kind of college degree? Yeah. And then a lot of times that doesn't really do a hell of a lot for me. Oh, interesting. Right? And and you know yeah. that maybe I should just go to a trade school in Germany, for example. You know, the trade kind of school t- style education. Yeah. Tremendously oh. more power, uh, more common, very successful, and and I think you know exactly to those things. It's worth I, I think even before COVID, universities and colleges were getting a lot of pressure to start talking about, hey, what are the outcomes coming out of paying humongous tuition all these years to do that? Is it really adding a lot of value? Mm. And I think some rethinking around that part of the industry undoubtedly is really healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that. You know, if managed, like I, I wouldn't go so far as to say, hey, brushing off, you know, 25% of the colleges <laughs> yeah, is yeah. going to be universally like a fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. outcome. It, it's uh, like but, those Ivy Towers like made a league almost and it became like this Ivy Tower League, you know, like oh, yeah, wow. Ivy Tower League of colleges. Are you, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Got it. So, so Anthony, it sounds to me like what you're saying is for people who unfortunately they're alma maters, I said it. If they were to like no longer exist and they're kind of left adrift in the wind that the Caltech Alumni Association will take any comers. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I love, by the way, sprinkle through this entire conversation. How you've just like left these just little traps. You just uh, go, right? <laughs> right? That is what you're saying, right? 
Like we can't just have all these like poor alums just like floating around with like no institution to like, you know, to, to, to get value out of, to like contribute back to, to like build community around and to, to feel, you know, Jason, I know this was a facetious question. But I'll entertain. It is, parts but of it them. also is I'll, not. I'll entertain. <laughs> Ooh, I like the. I like the in, a, in, in a in a really kind of more serious way, I think around what I think you're trying to dive at. Uh, you know, there's there's a big question about like who should universities be educating, and how many people should they be educating? Yeah. You know, like, an, and you know, is it a good thing, for example, that uh, universities often seem to brag about very low admittance rates? Out. is that good mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's really adding a heck of a lot but and, and this is where I, I gotta say i i was talking about the ucs earlier mm-hmm. i i admire the ucs mission you know a ton where you know i think i, I I'm not an they let anybody in right i think that's it's clear that you know the the mission of a uc yeah, yeah. you know the university of california system is we want to make sure education is it's available available right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they stopped uh, accepting the SATs, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, so what's interesting, though, is a lot of the benefit that you're talking about of your experience was almost because it was constrained, no? Like, the fact that it was so selective, there was only 240 seats at Caltech, which is a very good university. Right. But the three-to-one ratio, yeah. Right, like, but then that, you... com- but that completely kind of undercuts the idea of availability and i'm not saying that caltech is wrong uc is right or even vice versa but it's just i realize there's no really clean answer um right I, I but think how do you I, I mean how do you even try yeah. to reconcile all that stuff together no it's a fantastic question and i i think Thank if, you. if you are if you're a caltech <laughs> if you're caltech i mean and and you aren't accepting you know thousands of undergrads right. you you got to ask yourself why and it's got to be a good reason why, right? Mm. And and my personal thinking is that you need different design points for for all sorts of universities, right? It, not every university can be exactly the same. Right. And you know, there is something I think if you believe that something kind of unique is necessary in basic science or whatever, mm. maybe there is a place that you could justify um, a pretty, you know, honestly disproportionate investment in resources on some folks. But I mean, that also probably does have to come with some responsibility of, of yeah. what you're training, right? And yep. and so maybe Caltech fits into this narrative of saying, hey, we want to train something, you know, train people who are really difficult problem solvers, you know, that, that you know, it's almost like the Navy SEALs of whatever math and science kind of question yeah, you yeah, might, yeah. might be going for. And if you can really do that sort of thing, which Caltech has a, a pretty solid track record of, of fostering some pretty groundbreaking stuff if you can really defend that sort of message then into the future hey maybe that is justifiable but hey if if you can't justify that sort of thing i agree with you it's it's yeah if, if you don't have that sort of vision into this it's a really big question why why you wouldn't you know mm-hmm. make a larger university or something like that yeah. interesting that was fascinating i i did not know that much about caltech i didn't even think we were going to talk about colleges in general but that was we talked about the whole structure of universities themselves. Oh, that you was... thought we were just going to talk about Caltech. Oh, I. Oh, you didn't read the outline. Oh, god. <laughs> I thought. I thought we we're going to talk about California and technology separately. Oh no. Oh, that was that was <laughs> totally my bad. Um, that I mean that was a fascinating conversation. I don't know, if Jason, if you had any other questions, but. No, I mean I feel like there's 
there's a lot of open questions, right? And I'm not going to like expect Anthony. Oh, sorry. Like, I'm moving on because we're going to solve them one by one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> actually an exercise in blocking, tackling. Uh, I, was like, I was like, no, let's, I, let's I took, not force I, Anthony to give us clear answers listen, on I, everything. That's I wrote down to the top five. Thi- okay, not all of them. I wrote down the t- my top five. Well, let's answer all of them. Well, you know, I, I was okay. told that if, if my pattern of listening to these podcasts uh, is anything to go off of, I understand that you guys have a top five game. Oh, he's getting ahead so, of the wow. format. The, this, is what, this is what happens when you have a guest is, that actually just, listens this to is an episode. So meta. This is so scary. This is, look, it's like meta. He's like, I know they're going to ask me because I'm now part of the content that they're building. We should only bring guests that have never listened yes, to podcasts. Yes, true. Which is, I, I do not. I don't like so, this familiarity. Uh, so yeah. by that notion, everyone except Anthony exactly. should be available for this podcast. I'll never come back? Oh, no. Awesome. <laughs> well... Anthony, we just learned so much from you, and you probably know what I'm going to say because you listen to the podcast. It's time for your pop quiz. Excellent. Because we can't talk about universities (laughs) without a pop quiz. Yeah. So uh, the first game, shocker, it's called Top 5. And (laughs) what I want you to do is I want you to tell us the top five tips for doing the best in college. So like I'm talking to like a freshman in college yeah, right now. Well, yeah, like, however you, you want to interpret it. So yeah. your top five tips for how do you do college the best? I'd say first off, make friends. I think college is an amazing time to to uh, meet some lifelong friends and really great people. Uh, and so that's that's one for sure. Great, yeah. Um, two, putatively, you're there for some sort of educational something. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that getting getting a lot out of that is helpful. But I mean, I'm not just saying, oh, study hard or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I think that a lot of universities have really abundant resources that you kind of forget about. So one yeah. thing, for example, at, at Caltech, yeah. we forgot, I, I think a lot of undergrads and grad students probably forgot that, hey, professors are there too. They love talking to oh. students a lot of times. You know, that it, it, it's intimidating and scary, but take advantage of it. Because right? yeah. like, when the hell else are you going to have that sort of access? Legit biggest yeah. regret I had at UCLA. I, I, I realize you have so many incredibly smart people who are basically being paid to talk to you. And I'd be like, nah, I'm good. It's hard, right? And it wasn't even until senior year. And I just thought I would talk to these professors. They have super interesting stories. And you'd be like, oh, I should have started this like four years earlier yeah, 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 yeah. instead of doing this now. But yes, I that's a very good one. Yeah. Uh, third thing I, I think is... You know, don't don't overload yourself in in, in college. I think that, um, you know, it's really easy to get into that mentality of like, oh, I gotta like accomplish a lot. I gotta like double major, or I gotta whatever. If you're like so inclined, yeah, yeah. And and I, it can sometimes be a detriment to really just finding a passion for mm. something that you care about. I think spending the time to have a healthy mentality in which you're really actively learning a lot is way more important than add in one extra little little accolade on the resume or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah If yeah. there were APs yeah. in college, you know there'd be a ton of people taking APs. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Advanced I placement <laughs> college. Got, I understand. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a higher version All of, of college's AP, yeah. Yeah, I think the, th- the fourth <laughs> thing, it's just, you know, find a passion. You can tell when someone has just like poured themselves themselves into something that's like, whoa, this is like really cool and I want to explore a lot and mm-hmm. I have the capability in this unique environment to 
really explore it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty awesome thing. Uh, and finally, and maybe you know, you know, maybe I'd call it the second most important thing is that uh, college is a time to really experiment. Uh, I talked about uh, Dr. Chermo, you know, the, the former Caltech president. Yeah, yeah. He Love said to me that French guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he said to me, I remember over lunch one day that like college is the last time in your life that you can really, really mess up and it will have almost no impact on your future life. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, it, it's, it's so amazing to try something, fail at whatever, but like use that time to explore. So yeah. I don't, top five. I don't know. That, first of all, great top five. Great top five. Yeah. Um, I was actually on that last one. It's weird. The courses that had nothing to do with my major, some of those courses are the ones that I remember the most. I don't know if that's the same experience you guys had. But yeah. I took an art history class that I can't stop thinking about. Oh, interesting. I will always, like, there are certain yeah, things yeah, I learned yeah, in that yeah, class yeah. where I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Why is this in my brain? And I've heard other similar experiences, at least uh, at UCLA, where folks were like, yeah, that random astronomy class that I took. I, yeah. I can't stop thinking about that. I can't recall a single course I took. Really? No. Did you attend a lot of courses when you were at UPenn, or was that um, pass? <laughs> I was there. I was there. A lot of, a lot of half answers from you today. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I, I think you fulfilled the task that was asked yeah. of you, and I will say that you passed Thanks, that. Thanks, Kelsey. Well done. Very good. All right. So moving along, it's now time for either or. All right. So I'm going to give you two options. You just pick one. Here we go. Man bun or slicked back? Ooh. This is a style question. Help me out here. What what, what slicked back is is what? Like Gavin Newsom? (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Oh, but I believe, I believe Anthony has... Oh, you've Shook met Gavin. Hands. You've you've shaken hands with Gavin Newsom. I, with the you've seen the slick back hair in the person. Governor. Am I? Yeah. Ooh. Right. I, I have met him in person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but so I, has that does that sway your answer? Well, Ooh. I'm I'm currently sporting a bit of a man bun, so I feel like I I uh, if it's a personal question, it's a I personal mean, question. I mean, obviously, this man, but I, I, yeah, but, it's right. not so much you know, in perpetuity. I, I don't know if I, I'm ever this. <laughs> nope, this is this your is answer actually, forever. This nope, long this hair is, is quite annoying. I, I'm, I'm actually growing out because I want to donate it. And so I'm, oh, I'm nice. hoping that I can like chop it off before long, but it's not quite long enough yet. Cool. All right. Um, Caltech or Cal Penn? <laughs> Caltech. I, I mean, Cal Penn's a great actor. I think he's also done some great things in terms of public service but um he was part of the obama administration that's right yeah uh but no i'm in caltech i'm i'm a big caltech fan okay yeah calpen doesn't do too much basic research ruddick or lloyd (laughs) you know it's kind of funny i i was gonna just say say ruddick outright but uh they're uh changing the name of of the house Um, oh and so um I'm gonna say Lloyd until we figure out what the new new name is. Wait, why are they changing the name? I the the original donor has a pretty problematic uh, kind of history and oh. uh, association with especially the eugenics movement. Oh, uh, I, I don't really know the entirety of the situation okay. super well, so don't. Yeah, one of those. I, I might be it. kind of misquoting some of this. But, well, are um, these these are Caltech houses? Mm-hmm. These are Caltech houses. Yeah. Which one did you go to? I was in the house that's now going to be formally called Ruddick, and I don't know what it's going to be called uh, into the future. Call it Prince. Is that why? Prince. Is that why you picked that house? 
Yes, clearly as a, as a freshman in 18 year old, I researched this very well. What? I, I thought, wow, eugenics. That sounds fun. No, I mean, come on. That's, I, I did not know about oh this history God. until about last year. You know what it is? He hasn't like, gotcha yet, and he's waiting for that sweet gotcha. Yeah. He, he wants yeah, to trip you up, get... even in the middle of the either or, to be like, so eugenics, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're going to be so browsing. You're going to be like, getting oh, there. Whoops. I'm getting close. I can feel it. All right. <sighs> On guard. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Thanks for being on my side and, and I, listen, I, 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 seeing these traps, I calling was, them out, Kelsey. I was watching the, <laughs> I okay. was watching the cogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one's not a trap, just straight up. Hamilton or Sanders? So those are my two brothers. Um, <laughs> oh, is, are they really? Yeah. <laughs> you met Alexander Hamilton and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> They're namesakes, yeah. Wow. Hamilton Your brother is named after Bernie Sanders? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and i i'm they, they've both done so much for me i it's like i mean it's like honestly it's like reverse sophie's choice kind of thing of like they've they've you know meant the world to me and i don't know like it's not like one or the other kind of mm. thing so. so sanders right Kelsey, you, now you're <laughs> okay, trying. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's like Kelsey. How did it feel? It feels kind of good. It feels, it, it, yeah. it, it, you know what it is? It's like casting a line out and waiting for the fish to come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. waiting patiently for that answer to come back, and then bupkis. Yeah. Nothing. You're like a you're like a fortress. All right. Uh, Shakespeare sonnets or sonnet your friend? Well. Uh, Sonnet, made, Sonnet, our friend, uh, made us do arm exercises every morning recently. So a little bit on the um, my arms are really tired list, and I'm going to go for Shakespearean sonnets because of that. Wow. <laughs> okay. No, obviously. So many follow-up Sonnet, questions Sonnet to that statement. Oh, Sonnet, Sonnet is a uh, avid arm workout person. Yeah. So she does the. Uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos where you have to, you do all sorts of like movements with your arms out. You, like, you're imagine, not allowed to put them down. Basically, Holy yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. so I it's like, up. like intensive yeah. arm right. workouts. Ooh, yeah, I'm gonna look that up. You know, yeah. when, when sometimes I, I, I imagine back in your you know peak water polo days, yeah. you'd have those like workouts where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't like lift my arms mm. anymore. Yeah, it's basically what Sonnet really was gleefully looking for out of us. But not like, you, not you. Oh, definitely not you, yeah, Mister like... Tree Trunk Biceps over there. <laughs> not not that guy. <laughs> 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 All right, MIT business or Caltech business? What? Like MIT business school or Caltech business school? Well, Caltech doesn't have a business school, so... Um, gotcha. Nice! Uh, <laughs> nice! <laughs> Wasn't as leading this time, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I like how you played that. That was very nice. You and I went, MIT, I guess, by default? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Good one. I, I appreciate the I game. It. I'll take it. Mm. All right, here we go. Last one. Important question. Very important. Jason or Kelsey? Ooh. Kelsey, I love you. Ooh. You know, you, know but, you hate to hear that. But, you hate to hear that. But I've known Jason yeah, since no. the first day of first grade. First day of first grade. We have so much you know, history. I see, I see that history so. is more important than quality. I think that's what I'm hearing. Wow. History is quality, Kelsey. I thought you were a history fan. What? <laughs> Wait, what? 
That makes sense. I, I totally forgot about that very <laughs> famous saying by that one person. By me. There you go. Just now. Nice. But thank you, Anthony. That is the right answer. <laughs> Glad I won the pop quiz. <laughs> or the either or. You you win the either or. Oh, wow. Kelsey, I just want to point out, I am kind of on a win streak with that last question. I believe that's maybe three it, in a row that is uh, it three? I've come out on no, top. Oh, it's not three. Is it? It's two, I think. Kelsey. Okay. And also, if we don't launch this sequentially, it is not a streak at all. <laughs> so, might need to cut that part out. But okay, okay, cool. Oh, Kelsey. Between you and me. You know, don't you worry. First off, it's never too late. If I ever come back on the podcast, I'm so fortunate to be invited oh, back. Oh, shoot. You can always up your uh, rating. Wow. So, so you, if you want to light that competitive fire under your butt... <laughs> You, know, you can try to be now, a better friend. So backroom dealing to get back on the podcast. <laughs> At first, I thought he was doing me a favor. I realized actually we're doing him a favor now. All right. Well, I don't. I don't want to. I don't really want to. I don't know how I would call this pass or no pass, but uh, flying colors. You think? Yes, for sure. For that last answer alone, that in MIT Business School. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to move on to our next game. It's called Factor Fiction, Caltech Edition. Okay. It is a game between Anthony and Jason. I get this feeling that from the setup of these questions and, and your guys' reactions, most of the things you're asking me are uh, really setups for my embarrassment if I don't know something. That <laughs> That's, uh, is, this is only partially true. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> cool. I can't wait for this next trivia yes. section on my so, alma mater <laughs> and neither of your guys'. <laughs> so, <laughs> technically, Jason has not read these, I think. I have not read these. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Jason hasn't read these. There's too. a lot at stake. So yeah. it is. There's a, like, and it's, I fair. it's fair. So, okay. Question number one. Caltech boasts a 6% acceptance rate. One, two, three. Fiction. False. The answer is fiction. Yeah. You saw right through me. Nice. It is a 7% acceptance of rate. Of course. <laughs> Great. You guys are tied. Good. On yeah, the board. Yeah. One, one. All right. Next question. There are 76 Nobel laureates associated with Caltech. On three. One, two, three. Fiction. Ooh, Jason. It's fact. It's fact. There are 76 Nobel laureates associated with Caltech. Okay, cool. That's a lot of Nobel laureates. Man, I was trying to play the game within the game. How many freaking Nobel? I mean, especially for the size, right? That's, I mean, for the, I haven't even told you the prize yet. Size of the prize. All right. Next what? question. That makes sense. I think Kelsey took it a different way than I yeah, meant yeah, yeah. it. I, so. <laughs> yeah. I took it just the right way. Caltech was founded by Amos B. Throop. On three. One, two, three. Fiction. fiction. The answer is fiction. Yeah. Okay. Caltech was founded by Amos, Amos G. Throop. Okay. Yeah. This is such an annoying game. Wow. Also, hold on. Is is <laughs> is this is this Amos guy? This is he the cookie guy? Is of, he famous? Oh, Amos? famous Amos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fame. Yes, it is him. He's more well known for his cookie empire than he is for his starting a fine research establishment in Pasadena, California. Okay. Cool. All right. That guy accomplished a lot. Right now, it's uh, Anthony barely holding onto his yes, lead. Yes. 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 Got one question left. Oh no. Okay. 
Caltech's alumni include a three-time Academy Award winner and a professional bodybuilder. On three. One, two, three. Fact. fact. Oh, okay. Well, I can't. Well, there you go. That's <laughs> fact. Those are all true. I think of I think it was like a famous director who went to, to Frank Capra. Frank Capra of It's a Wonderful Life fame. That's right. That's right. Wow. He was a chemical wow. engineering yeah. major at Caltech. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Did, he's he, like, did he, he ever work, pursue mechanical engineering or he just like... Chemical engineering. Chemical engineering. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think so. Well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe... You know why? Because he probably wanted a more stable job in filmmaking than he could uh, get in chemical If you think about it, in a way, film is chemical engineering. If I think well, like really, I'm really meta. hard, yeah. it still is in chemical engineering. No, I'm sure like when you're directing, it's all about chemistry. And then um, when you're developing the film, there's some chemicals involved. Yeah. Uh, Make sure you don't pull a muscle with that stretch, okay? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, there you go. So, Anthony, Man. I believe Anthony scraped out the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was Congratulations. N- n- for a bit. You guys hey, were... Kelsey, I just want to, uh, for all those keeping score, how many did I get wrong? Uh, wow. Three, <laughs> that's four, annoying. Two, that's so three, annoying. Four, four. You got none wrong. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Mm. Mm. Really tasting that humble pie. Yeah. <laughs> Mm, tastes good. Mm, tastes good. <laughs> you I can't both do that and taste the humble pie. Best part is, I think I he can't didn't realize what I was saying, much like I didn't realize what he was saying earlier. But okay, cool, great. All right. So wow. Anthony, wow, just savor that win like a excellent English oh, minced I pie. Mm. Mm, all right, here we go. Won't you haiku? So together we're gonna write a haiku. Anthony with the first line. Nice. And then Kelsey and then me. Yes. We're gonna write a haiku about college. Oh boy. So is the gold space is set up, Jason, for the most annoying ending? Yes. Please don't. That Please is don't. generally what I try to do. <laughs> Those are my guiding principles for this game. College is a time for research to flourish. And for spirits to rise, <laughs> no, you're really, you're really. Does that make any you sense? You really pooped to the bed on that wait, one. What do you, wait, say your line again. Sorry, I don't even remember what that <laughs> said. Wait, okay, wait. What was you, say yours again, Anthony? College is a time for research to flourish and. Okay. No spirits to rise. I thought you were gonna you're gonna hold wait, wait, that one. Give me a chance here. In case you want to ask me a follow-up question and ask, like, would I prefer um, our haikus or our friend uh, sonnet? I yeah. would say definitely our friend sonnet. <laughs> Podcast haiku or our friend sonnet? Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty happy with that line. Okay, are you? Let me, let me try. Okay, it was the response that that I'm really? happy with. So you know, yeah, what? Let me just, try you know what? I actually for, for embrace point, it. I want embrace you to it. hold firm. Just just say this is as good as it's gonna get. For research to flourish and for love to abound. Let's go back to the first one. Okay, you guys, you guys really, you don't like what I'm doing here. All right. Okay. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? Is that what it is? No, 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 no,
I like that one. That one's good. I don't really know what I mean. Is if, if, the college, if the college we're talking about is Caltech, then for yeah. sure. Well, I'm glad that Jason gave it the old college try. That's good. Yeah. I heard three times the charm, which is great. <laughs> that was many job. tries. That was awesome. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Well, that those are the games. Anthony, aside from that last question on either or, I think you did a darn good job. So congratulations. I think you passed. Thanks, Kelsey. Cool. Yeah. Kelsey. What's your takeaway I from learned, this conversation with Anthony? I learned a lot. I actually had to check my own biases at the door today. Because when we said we were going to talk about universities, I completely forgot that everyone's university experience is very different. Um, I tended to generalize, I think, in my mind that, oh, universities all have a singular goal of education and you know it's supposed to churn out good workers and all this other stuff but really there's obviously nuances across all of our experiences and i was just very happy to hear about your specific experience and how that narrative is very different but equally as interesting as mine so thank you anthony jason what'd you learn today there's so many interesting open questions and it seems like we're at a time where universities like higher education there's is at a crossroads in so many different ways that we could probably have talked about this over the, the course of a, a a bunch of episodes. Yeah. 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 So real meaty topic. I've, yeah. 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 And I hope it was uh, valuable. <laughs> yeah. I hope it was, to, to the listeners. Some would say, I hope it was <laughs> educational. Anthony, what did you learn today? I guess I kind of knew this already, but I, one thing I love about, the podcast and what you guys are doing is that it's kind of unearthing some things that are really fun to talk about with friends and to talk more about. And, you know, that I've learned a little bit that, heck, we should, as friends, talk more about some things that are really cool going on in each other's lives and that we're thinking about because God knows I've, I've learned a lot from, from listening to you guys talk with other people and it's, it's probably just as fun, you know, talking live with you guys too. Yeah. That's wow. That's so kind. I mean, it's that's one of the like greatest pleasures of doing the podcast that I found is like it's a forcing function to to have conversations with friends that are different than the ones that we would have more casually. Yeah, and I'm happy to hear that you feel that way from listening to like all the other episodes. That's really great. I also agree. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I just do. (laughs) Yeah. Twist my arm. Sometimes yeah. Twist my arm. I agree. Sometimes just a simple agree is is all you need. Yeah, yeah, Anthony, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for the time and for your expertise. And And for being a friend. Yeah, definitely. Best part of it all. Definitely. For me personally, thank you so much for being a friend from the first day of first grade. And for Kelsey, I guess, for a much shorter time than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a time Um, much shorter than that in which quality is much more important. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I... uh, also, equally importantly, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, yeah, thank you all for being listeners. Yeah, we really do appreciate it and wish everyone a great week. Hi, Mom. Hi, Hi. Anthony's mom. Anthony's mom, hello. And but for everyone else, have a great week. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. This has been Jason and Kelsey Have Friends. Executive produced by Dora. Talent managed by Kelly. Design and artwork by Hobby at madebyhobby.com. Theme song by Jason. Questions? Comments? Send us an email at jasonandkelsey at gmail.com or visit us at jasonandkelsey.com. 
If you haven't already, please rate and subscribe everywhere, multiple times.